Empower Radio presents Art as Worship with Vanessa Lowry. Welcome to Art as Worship. Each week we feature stories of artists and explore their process of creation. I'm your host, Vanessa Lowry, and I'm thankful that you're joining me. On this show, I talk with artists of various faiths, working in a wide range of mediums, on the common theme of how they use inspiration and creativity as an expression of their spirituality. Learn how their art is an expression of their own connection to however they name God, Jehovah, Allah, Source, the Universe, the Great Mystery, or something else. My hope is that these stories will inspire your creative efforts and your own spiritual expression. My guest today is Marjorie Kalar. She's a stained glass artist. She grew up in Indiana and graduated from Ball State University with a B.S. in art education. After moving to Atlanta, she worked for the state of Georgia in Fulton County's Adult Protective Services. Marjorie retired in 2011 and now has more time to create stained glass art. Marjorie exhibits at, at craft fairs, is commissioned to create custom pieces, and is available to repair a client's trip. She's married and she has three children. Marjorie, welcome to the show today. Thank you. It's great having you here having you here with us. How did you get interested in the medium of stained glass? Well, that's an interesting story. Um, I went to St. Matthew's Lutheran Church, and back in 2005, St. Matthew's um, merged with St. Michael's, and we moved to Tucker. St. Matthew's was on the corner of Briarcliff and Druid Hills, which was within walking distance of my house. And when they demolished the church... We went over there to get um, foundation stones and, you know, go through the rubble and stuff. And I saw all this stained glass. Now, these were not stained glass windows. These were stained glass um, rectangles. So they were, you know, just stacked on top of each other. So they weren't in any kind of um, what you typically see in churches. Right. This was just stained glass. In its purest form. (laughs) But when they demolished the church, it was rubble. And I looked at that and I thought, wow, wouldn't it be really nice to make, to learn how to do stained glass and make something with this glass that's here. So I went home and I got some rubber tubs and some gloves and collected the stained glass and um, stored it in my basement. Of course, I'm not a real fast acting person, but it took about three years before I decided, well, maybe I should look for a teacher. And I found one in Ann Rambo at the Spruill Center for the Arts. And my friend um, at the church and I both signed up for a class and we started making stained glass. We used the glass from the church at first. And then we decided we would make um, jewelry out of the stained glass, um, pendants and earrings, and sold them to raise money for youth trips. Um, then I made a a larger piece and raffled it at church, and uh, they were able to buy three really nice sewing machines with the money that they made from the raffle. And then it was just, um, that glass is, is pretty much diminished at this point, and I have expanded my um, my craft and just decided to start some, my uh, passion was more expensive than well and how wonderful you were able to take 
the glass from this church that meant so much to you and your family and then repurpose it into beautiful pieces of art that not only you get to enjoy, but other people do as well. True. Very. It was, it was, um, it was a, um, a path. Well, I know in your bio, we said that you had gone to college for art education. So at what point, so it sounds like you've been interested in art for a long time. At what point did you start thinking of yourself as an artist? I thought of myself as an artist in high school. Um, that's, that's when I was really developing art. And then I went to college and I was an area art major. I did jewelry, weaving and sculpture. And by the end of my junior year, I discovered that I had to do three one man shows in all of those mediums. (laughs) (laughs) And I decided, well, perhaps I could switch to art education and get my degree that way. I wanted a degree, but I didn't necessarily want it to be um, strictly art. Right. So right. there it is. <laughs> so through the years, I, I know that you worked outside of the field for a long time. Were you always, did you always have your hand in art projects and that kind of thing? Or did you take a hiatus for a while? I took a hiatus after college because college was, everything was on a schedule. You know, I had to have certain projects done at a certain time. And um, that kind of goes against the creative mode for me. Uh-huh. I, I like to have things happen when I want them to happen as as they occur, um, not to have it where you have to have a certain thing at a certain date. So, yeah, I definitely took a hiatus after college. Um, I, wor- I did work in art in Chicago when I moved to Chicago. Um, I worked at a youth center, and I was their art director. But then I went on from then. I was basically working with people. Well, which is an art in and of itself, yes. a whole different kind of art. Yes, it's true. <laughs> it's true. So how do you um, find that your spirituality finds expression in your art? Well, because I am a very active um, person in my church, um, I'll tell you another story, okay? I'm, I'm back in the storage, um, the pavilion, at the new church, and I find this big stained glass um, broken piece that's the Luther Rose. I'm a Lutheran. Uh-huh. So this is the Luther Rose. And I'm thinking, why is it back here getting dust, you know, instead of being somewhere else where it can be enjoyed? And my pastor said, well, it doesn't really fit in any of the windows that we have here. And I thought, well, you know, I bet it would fit out in Bethlehem at Nativity Lutheran because they're in a storefront. Uh huh. So I fixed it and gave it to them, and they asked me to do another piece to kind of be the same size and be um, represent the Nativity. So I created a piece for the Nativity. Now I'm, I've forgotten the question. <laughs> I was asking how your spirituality finds expression in your art. So okay. you're answering it just fine. <laughs> okay, great. So um, then they asked me if I would uh, do one for Pentecost, and they wanted the um, Evangelical Lutheran Church of America logo. So I've done two more, and we're, I'm going to be hanging those on uh, Mother's Day. Oh, wow. And so even though they're themed to different um, different times of the year, do they leave them up all the time or do they take they them They leave down? them up all, yeah. 
leave them up all the time. Oh, how wonderful. They're permanent hangings in their um, big plate glass windows. Uh Uh-huh. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. So I know that you also do some teaching and assist with some teaching now. Um, How do you find that that um, helps your own art to be able to teach others? Well, I'm assisting out at the Sproul Center for the Arts. Um, My instructor, Ann Rambo, from when I first started, um, she asked me if I would assist in her class. And I'm also partner with her and two other women uh, we do the Highland Games in Stone Mountain. Um, that you exhibit at the exhibit. Highland Games? Uh-huh. Yeah, we're vendors there. And this past year, um, we did Highland Games in Orlando, Florida, and also in St. Augustine, Florida. Um, I've really gotten into doing knots, Celtic knots. Uh-huh. Those are... Um, and what is it about the Celtic knot that attracts you? Oh, just just... Everything about stained glass attracts me. I'm, you know, <laughs> the the glass, you can look at the different glass that they have now, and it's just so beautiful to have it come, the, the sun come through and um, the bevels and, and everything about stained glass is, is I'm passionate about. But the, the Celtic knots, they just twist and turn and, and um, they're really special. So do you have some patterns that you use when you're working with the Celtic knots? That Yes, I found a book that has 101 Celtic knots in it. And these are from the 7th and 8th and 9th centuries. So I figure, you know, I'm not infringing on anybody's copyright because right. they didn't have copyrights back then. So I'm using those designs. And they're originally on stone, in stone or metalwork. Um I don't know of anybody else that actually does these. Of course, I haven't really researched it either uh-huh. in stained glass. Well, I would think that something like that would be very popular at a festival like the Highland Games. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So yeah. do you have, are there certain colors that you find are more popular than others? Well, most of them like um, greens, greens uh-huh. and blues, um, oranges, reds. They're, you know, if you look at the tartans that the, um, Celts, the Scots, wear. They're all different colors, but a lot of them are more greens and blues. Well, and you mentioned a few minutes ago about some of the commissioned work that you've done for the church. So when somebody comes to you with a commission project, what do they, what do they bring you as far as their ideas? And then how do you work with them to come up with what the art's going to look like? Well, let's see. Um, one of my commission pieces, they asked me, if I could do a hummingbird. And so I'm thinking about, and they wanted some of St. Matthew's glass in it. So I'm thinking, well, okay, there's seven different colors that came out of St. Matthew's. Not much in the hummingbird. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I was able to use some of the light blue in in the background. And basically that was it. But I thought of what I would want to have in a hummingbird scene with myself, you know, and, and so I did a, um, a jungle plant with the hummingbird and it looked very nice and they liked it. But usually they'll just ask me, they'll say, okay, I want one thing or another and then leave it up to me as to design it. And do you show them sketches or anything before you? Nah. (laughs) 
We just go straight to the glass. Yeah, I just, I just surprise them. Oh, that's great. Yeah. It's nice that you have clients that let you do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you find that your ideas come to you and how do you keep track of the ideas that, that are floating around and decide which ones to go forward with? Well, I have a mess in my, in my workshop. I have just tons of ideas that I'm, I'll, I'll be looking in a catalog for clothes and see something. Um, and I'll cut it out and, and store it. Uh, but everything has a way of coming back when I need it. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, the ideas that when the ideas come, they'll come as dreams. They'll come as um, when I'm driving. They come all the time. That's just the way it happens. And do you have something you jot them down on, or <clears throat> no? You just no. It's in the brain. <laughs> <laughs> you figure if it if it goes away, it'll come back when it's ready yeah. for you to do something with it. Exactly. <laughs> How long does it typically take you to create a stained glass piece of art? Oh, that depends. Because if I already have the design and I already have the glass, because the glass is what's important, while the design's important too. But if I have everything I need, I can be very fast. I can do it in a day. Oh, wow. Depending on how, how small the pieces are, how big the pieces are. It just, it depends. I'm, I'm a pretty quick quick person so do you have a favorite size piece that you like to create no no because i do sun catchers i do jewelry jewelry when i'm doing jewelry i'll do um a ton of it at one time because it's so small uh the sun catchers i'll do maybe four or five of the same design at one time because when you're working with stained glass you're working with um a soldering iron and the glass gets hot. So I don't want to overwork a piece and crack the glass. So I'll work on, on one piece, and then I'll do the next one. And, and So you have to let it cool down a little bit yeah. in, in the stages of when you're working on it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, when you're getting ready to create your art, do you have any process that you use to connect into your the divine flow or to your creativity when you're getting ready to sit down and create something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking that, that I have a really special angel that connects with me and that angel will give me ideas when I'm asleep, when I'm just waking up in the morning throughout the day, actually. And I just have to act on them. And what happens if you don't act on them? Well, I'll get another nudge, I think. <laughs> Marjorie, come on. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. So how has your art affected your spiritual evolution, or how has your spiritual evolution affected your art? I think they're kind of um, going at the same time. Sometimes my creativity will, will get a shoot. And other times my spirituality, but it's all connected. Well, and you mentioned earlier that, that some of the people that, that you teach with, that you all are going to be exhibiting together. Do you ever create stained glass together? 
like the same piece, but several of you working on it? Now, Anne and Betsy have done that. They do, um, they do what is called um, crest. When the people will order a crest for them. Um, the, so like a family crest? Yeah, or, or have a tartan. Okay. They'll do their individual tartans, and they do that together. I haven't done any together with anybody. I don't know why that is. Maybe they don't like me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it just hasn't been time yet. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I know some people really prefer to create solo as opposed to creating in collaboration. It's a, it's a little different process for a lot of people. Well, now when Kathy, um, my friend Kathy and I were doing the um, jewelry, we would create together. But um, basically, we were in the same room, uh-huh. but we weren't doing the same. Not working on the same piece. Yeah. So do you find that that affects your energy differently when you're creating in the same room with another artist versus in your own space by yourself? There's differences. Yeah, because um, I go faster than most people. And is that is the fee- speed affected when there's other people in the room? No. <laughs> <laughs> you just work fast. Yeah, I just I just go faster. So, what's one of the favorite pieces that you've created? One of the favorite pieces that I've created. Um, they're all my favorites. You can't imagine. You know, in my house. Before I started stained glass, all my walls were filled with art, okay? Uh-huh. Now all my windows are filled with art as well. I, I have, um, I'm just, my house is busy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm putting stuff in the basement now, you know? It's, it's just favorite ones, though. Um, every, every one I make is my favorite. I, I, don't, I don't know... So where do you find the glass that you're going to use for your for your work? I know that you started out with the glass from the church, but obviously now you get glass in other places. Yeah, I, I find um, there's a certain amount of glass that is donated to the Spruill Center. Uh-huh. That's the cheapest. Um, Anne has glass. I go to Jennifer's in Smyrna. There's Armstrong up in um, Marietta. I think... That's all. The, that's all the places that I've gone. I've had other people that um, gave up, you know, got old or couldn't do the glass anymore, and have advertised um, that they want to sell their tools and their glass. And I've done that. I, so how do you how do you buy the glass? Does it come in sheets? Yes. And do you pick what size sheets that you want to get, or is it kind of just standard, small, medium, large? Well, the best way to to buy the glass at Jennifer's and at Armstrong is to get in their um, uh, rem not remnants. What do you call it? Um, their breakage. You know the small uh-huh. pieces because they'll sell that by the pound. Oh, okay. But glass, when you buy it in the sheets, you can get eight by eight. You can get twelve by twelve. You can get sixteen by sixteen, and it goes up from there. Um, when they make the glass, I think it's like plywood that comes in four by you know it's big sheets and then they cut it up but it's expensive 
the larger you get, the more it costs. Well, and I would think the larger you get, the trickier it is to work with it as well. Well, without breaking it, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I would think that would be kind of a kind of a key thing. <laughs> yeah, breaking glass, it happens a yeah. lot. So what's glass? So what happens when you break a piece of glass? Do you change the design? No, no, I just I tell you what, this <laughs> this glass that I made just recently of the um, Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, it has sharp corners. I have to use a saw to cut it out. And white glass is the most brittle of all glasses, okay? So I ended up buying all of the water glass, soft white water glass in the Atlanta area because so much of it broke. Oh, really? Yeah, I had to replay. It was just incredibly difficult and frustrating. I'm sure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So did you um, know how to use like saws and power tools before you got interested in stained glass? Oh, yeah. My um, my father was a woodworker. Okay. So I knew how to use saws and, and tools with him. I was his little assistant. but uh, And then I learned in college. And then being a homeowner, you learn how to you know do handyman kind of things mm-hmm. to maintain your home. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good with a jigsaw. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any stories of, that you can share about how creating your art has expanded your awareness of God? Creating art, awareness of God. Um, I'm pretty aware of, I mean, that's, that's the thing. If, if you're, if you're open and you make yourself aware of the possibilities that come in and, and that's what it is to me with, um, with God because I'm open to the fact that there is a God and um, then all I have to do is be aware of the messages that I'm receiving. And that happens all the time. Well, and, and the samples that you sent me are beautiful of your work. And a lot of them have to do with symbol symbolism and symbols for the church. Um, does that make up a lot of the work that you do, or is, is that just the samples that you happen to send to me? Oh, I just happen to send those to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's nice. <laughs> like I said, I do a lot of Celtic uh-huh. knots, and and those are not um, necessarily the Celtic knots. The real intricate ones were developed as um, for the entrances of buildings to keep the devil occupied so he wouldn't come in. I don't know if you knew that. I did not not know that. Yeah. It it keeps the devil on the outside because he's trying to find the, the beginning and the end of the strand that's in the knot. Uh huh. So basically, I mean, I would think that that is kind of religious, you know, keeping the devil out. (laughs) But, um, so that's what I'm into right now. But I also do dogwood blossoms, and dogwood blossoms are um, a symbol of the Christ. Um, and in Atlanta, this is definitely the time for dogwood blossoms. Oh, yeah. Things but are they, popping out everywhere. Those things sell no matter where I am. Um, I always have a supply of dogwood blossoms. So what got you interested in dogwood blossoms? 
what got me interested in Nagwood? That's one of the messages I think I got from God. Okay, it was it was something that would be a nice small um, sun catcher. Uh huh. Are most of the the craft shows and the fairs that you do in the Atlanta area? Well, like I said, I went to Orlando and and St. Augustine this past year. Um, I do Apple Annie's out in Roswell. Uh huh. That's at the uh, beginning of December, and the Highland Games. I don't do a whole lot of... I did St. Pius. Um, that was my first show that I ever did, and that was a one-day show. Um, but I don't do a whole lot of shows. Well, and you had mentioned that you do repair work. If someone has a piece of stained glass that needs repair, Do um, how does that work? Do they just bring it to you and say, here, fix it? Yeah, well, they say... I have a piece of stained glass that's broken. Do you think you could fix it? And I said I can look at it because I'm not I'm I'm not Wonder Woman here. <laughs> not a lot of people will do repairs on stained glass cuz it's so difficult to match up the glass and um just cutting in, you know, if it's in the middle of the piece, you have to cut in to get there or pop it out and it sometimes you break other pieces doing that. But um I They'll say that I have, they have a piece of stained glass that needs repair, and I'll look at it and tell them that I will or won't do it. And so far, I've been very fortunate in getting pieces that um, were fixable. Well, and I would think actually repairing a piece might be more difficult than creating a new piece because yes. of what you said, the difficulty of <coughs> getting the old piece out and not breaking the things around it. Yes, it is. It is more difficult, and there's a lot of stained glass artists that, that won't even touch repair work. Yeah. So if, if folks want to do their a custom piece of stained glass or want to buy one of your pieces of stained glass or have you look at a piece that, that needs repaired, how do they get in touch with you? How do they find you? Um, I do have a website. Okay. And my daughter-in-law created that for me. And unfortunately, it, it's not up to date, but it's still there. So that gives my, um, I think that's how you found me. Isn't that, is, it? that is how I found you. So share with our listeners what that website is. Atlanta Glass Art. Dot com. So com, and that is how I found you because I was Googling stained glass artists in Atlanta and came across your, came across your website. Yes. <laughs> so that will give you my email address and um, that's how you get with, with me. Excellent. <coughs> so Marjorie, do you have any last thoughts that you would like to share with our listeners about how they might tap into their own creativity and how that could... Um, be an expression of their own spirituality. In my experience, people are either creative or they aren't, and they know that. I've run across a whole bunch of people that don't know colors that, you know, they, but the ones that are creative, I think they have their own, own um, ways of listening and being aware and, and the messages that they receive. I wouldn't even consider tapping into, you know, into that. Well, it is always fascinating for me to talk with artists like you because, like you said, people have different ways of listening for the messages that come to them and how they're going to pursue that. So it's fascinating to hear the variety of ways that people do that. Mm -hmm. um, tell our listeners one more time how they how they get to your website. They go to atlantaglassart.com. Excellent. Marjorie, thank you so much for being with us today on the show. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And thank you to our listeners. I welcome your suggestions or comments on this or any of our shows. 
You can find links to all of our shows on Empower Radio and on our website, artasworship.net. Please come share your stories of art as worship on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash art as worship. Listen in next week as we talk with another artist about their creative process and how it connects with their spiritual journey. May you have an inspired and creative week. Namaste. Namaste.